speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Speak that my soul may hear. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Calm every doubt and Speak to my heart, oh, speak to my heart, speak to my heart, I pray. Yielded and still, seeking thy will, oh, speak to my heart. At my church, we've been going through 1 John, and I want, I'd like to share with you some of the stuff we've been seeing, because some of the stuff we've been seeing is really good. I hope you brought your Bibles. Come on now. <laughs> you come to church. <laughs> now, I told you now, okay, this is going to be revival, right? All right, that means that, that you, you have to be, you know... Told where you're wrong now, right? Right? That's right. All right. And you want that, don't you? You want to, to be told. If you're, if you're not right on center, you want to be told how to get back on center, don't you? No? Yes, you do, don't you? Sure you do, because you want to follow the Lord with all your heart. All right? So when you come to church, bring your Bible, all right? Bring your Bible. And I know there's a pew Bible. I hope there's a, uh, plenty of pew Bibles. But that's in case you forget. But bring your Bible to church. Allow the Lord to use that. Because some of you are, are visual learners. All right? Some of you have to see it in order for it to get inside of you. I'm that way. I, I can't just hear it. I have to see it. I have to see it. I have to take notes or whatever because I'm a visual learner. It's going to only stick with me if I actually see it. And so bring your Bibles to church. 1 John chapter 4. Now, 1 John was written... Um, you know, by the Apostle John, the one who loved Jesus so much, the one who loved Jesus. He, he was the one who really shared the heart of Jesus. You know, he was the one who loved the Lord. It, you know, the Lord referred to him that way, you know. He's the one who loved Jesus. You love Jesus like that? I hope you do. By the way, I just wanted to say also, you know, thank you for, to Brother Jimmy yesterday. Um, what he shared was really good. And, you know, there was, a, there was a little passage I wanted to refer to, you know, where, where Paul and Silas are in prison. And what were they doing in prison? Singing. <laughs> just like you would have done, huh? <laughs> no, you're right. No, that's not what I'd have been doing if I was in prison. You, you have to admit that, don't you? You're in prison. That's not what you're going to be, be doing. Just singing, praising God. Oh, I'm in prison. Oh, what a glorious, glorious day or night this is. I'm in prison for the Lord. No, that's probably not what we'd be doing. We'd be boohooing, probably mad at God. Lord, why did you allow this to happen to me? As if, as if me is too good for that. 
You know, sometimes we think we're too good to suffer for God or to, or, or, or to, or to endure unpleasantness. You just let somebody, you know, cut you off on the, on the road or something, you know. You know, that's a perfect example. You know, I'm too good for this to happen. I'm somebody. No. But you know what Paul and Silas were doing? They were singing and praising God, you know. But you know, when we surrender, when we surrender our lives to Jesus and to the rule of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we are living the Christian life. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. So thank you, for the, Brother Jimmy, for that introduction to my sermon. <laughs> 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And, you know, as I, I, I always like to read maybe a little more scripture, because we're going to begin at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. But I want you to look just a second at verse 4. At verse 4. It says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is living inside of you, who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. The one who's living inside of you, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then, then the Holy Spirit inside of you is greater than the one who's in the world. Than everyone that's in the world. All right? You have Holy Spirit power living in you. Holy Spirit power living in you in order that you would live the Christian life, that the Christian life could be lived through you. You have that kind of power. You know, we used to sing that song, you know? Greater is he that is in thee. Greater is he that is in thee. Greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. Maybe you haven't sang that in a while. That's, that's singing scripture. I think God likes that we sing scripture. But I want you to get the message. Greater is he that is in thee. Greater is he that is in thee. Greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. So you remember that now, all right? That you have Holy Spirit power living in you, dwelling in you, in order to live the spiritual life that God wants you to live. All right? That's what that power is in there for. That power is not there for your pleasure. It's not to make you comfortable. It's not to give you the American dream. Come on now. That's not what it's for. It's that you would live the Christian life, the Christ life, living through you. 1 John chapter 4, let's look at verse 7 and following. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. This is how God showed his love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, 
God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I would say also through us. Verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. That's how we know that we're in him, he's in us. Because we have the spirit of God living in you. It's not just you yourself now. You're you plus the Holy Spirit. That's how you know that you're saved. That's how you know you're his. Verse 14. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Anyone who acknowledges, believes in him, trusts in him, places their faith in him. Verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he or she is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, Cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. You know what a command is. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. What a passage, you know. What a passage. We're going to look at it a little a little more closely. Now, I'm, I'm reading from the NIV, if you happen to have that. You have that in your, okay, I'm reading NIV. Sometimes different translations. That's the Holman, that's the Baptist version. That's a good, that, that's good. But uh, I, 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 bought, I, I bought my NIV Bible in the bookstore here years ago, 1984. Made me to where I could read the Bible so much faster. Instead of, instead of King James, I just had a hard time with the thou's and the, and the, and the shouts and, the, and all that kind of stuff. Starting to read the NIV just made it to where I could just understood it so much better. It just blessed me. So I've stuck with that ever since. So I hope that doesn't throw you off any. But I'm reading from the NIV. Look at, look at chapter 4, verse 7. And we're just going to look at that. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Let us love one another. Let's just go ahead and be godly. Let's just go ahead and be godlike in our actions, in our attitudes. Let's just go ahead and be godly. Let me, here's a quote for you, all right? All right? True love is a divine expression. True love is a divine expression. Because you see, love comes from God. It doesn't come from you. You're not able to to wrestle up love. You're not able to just just make yourself love. You're not able to work at it and and acquire or attain the platitude of love. 
you're not able to do that because you see love comes from God it says it right there love comes from God everyone who loves has been born of God and and knows God love comes from God you see the problem is is that our concept about love is all wrong we've acquired a fleshly or an earthly concept of what love is we think of love as a feeling Oh, isn't it nice to love? Or love is romance, or love is, is some real nice emotions. You know, we think of, of Valentine's Day, our hearts racing, you know, that's our concept of love. Or we have the giggles, that's what love is. Love makes you feel good. It's the wrong concept of love, you know. You know, that, that's not it at all. You see, because the cross was none of those things. Cross wasn't those things. Look over at the Gospel of John. Look at the Gospel of John. Now keep your finger in 1 John, but look at the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. Look at verse 12. It says, My command is this. This is the words of Jesus. If, you're, if, if, if you have the right Bible, it, it's in red. We know what that means. Jesus is doing the talking, you know? All right, here you know exactly what Jesus is saying. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So that's the ultimate love. The ultimate love, giving his life for you. To pay for your sins. You know? Greater love is no one than this. That's what true love is. See, our concept of love is all wrong. I, I, I was in, um, I believe it was Lowe's uh, a few weeks ago and bumped into a friend of mine. And I, we hadn't talked in years. And, and it, was, it was so good to get to see him. And, and every time we bump into each other, you know, which is not too often. But when we do, we just catch up right then. We just, you know, just start you know, talking, okay, how's so-and-so, you know, how's your mom, how's your brother, you know, how's it going, how's work, you know, all that kind of stuff, and he told me recently that um, uh, one of his aunts had died, it was a, an aunt who had never married, never had children, and, and he and his brother were the last surviving relatives in the, in the family, they were the only ones they could take care of her. And, uh, you know, both of them work, as, as you would just imagine they would. People have to do. And so they, they hired help, you know, to come in and take care of the aunt. And, um, and now this, he told me that, you know, there were, there were two aunts. I remember the aunt who had died a few years ago, but this was, this was the other one. And he told me, he said, you know, I love both my aunts. Both of them love me. But he said, between the two, this was really my favorite. You know, we have favorites sometimes, don't we? You know? You see, that's another way that we're not like God. Let me tell you, God loves everybody. We think sometimes that God loves people just like us. We're so good and right and pretty. <laughs> but you know, that, that ain't it at all. You know, God loves us while we're yet sinners. Not, not good folks, not the best folks. He loves us while we're yet sinners. He said he took care of his aunt, you know, paid people to come in. But he said sometimes 
it just didn't work out to where any, anyone could be there and that he had to actually take care of his aunt. And he said, you know, he said, you know, the hard part was, I bet, I bet you're there already. Hard part was, I had to change her diaper. He said, you know, as that's, you know, my aunt, you know, you know me being a guy, you know, it's, it was hard, difficult. Said, you know, I tried to make the best of it. I, you know, I said, you know, you know, Auntie, you, you know, you used to change my diaper. Now I'm changing yours. She said, you know, I'd do it again if I could. Here's here's what he said to me. Here's what stuck in my mind and why I'm telling you this. After he described all the difficulty, all the sorrow, all the all the all the pain, all the all the uncomfortableness. Here's what he said. I loved her. I loved her. That's a picture of love. You see, love is such a lofty, such a high, such a divine thing that only a Christian can love. Only God can do it through those who are redeemed who are changed, who are surrendered, who are yielded and filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, love, remember what I said? That true love, true love is a divine thing. So you see, only a Christian yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to live the life of love through them, only that person is capable of, of expressing love. Look at verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, Christians do express love. Christians do live God's love. That's what he's saying. All right? If you don't love, you don't know God because God is love. And then if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then he's living the life of love through you. You see, Christians do express, they do live God's love. Look at verse verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Here's God's example of love. God's example of love is that he sent his son. He really came himself to give us life. He wants you to live forever with him. Let me tell you, at our church, we've been, we've been studying for about a year about heaven. Let me tell you. Let me just give you a little glimpse. I know that Dr. White preached on it last year. But let me just tell you, heaven is going to be greater than you've ever dreamed. Let me tell you, everything you've dreamed about heaven, it's going to be like that and better. All right? Just wait. You see, God sent his son that you would be able to have life and that you'd spend that life with him forever. Look at verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Look at the first part. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. You see, our response or our gratitude to, to God for what he's done, that's not love. 
Our expressing our gratitude, that's not love, but that's what it says. This is love. Not that we love God. You know, us loving God and, and, just, and just, you know, appreciating Him, being so grateful for what He's done. That's not what God wants from us. That's not what our response. You see, what God did is love. That's what it's saying. What God did is love to such a degree that it's right to say God is love. It's not that He just possesses it. It's not just that he has it or he expresses it to such a degree that you can say God is love. Look at verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You see, our response, our response should be the response that God wants us to have because of him expressing his love to us and giving his life as a ransom for us. The response he wants from us is not just gratitude. Oh, God, thank you. What he wants is that we love others. That's what he wants. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, you can think of some people it's hard to love, can't you? What about that person? Yeah, that person too. Well, you just don't know what she said to me. It don't matter what she said to you. Well, you just don't know what he did. It doesn't matter what he did. I know someone who told me recently, 20 years ago, they lied about him, and he went to jail. Spent some time in jail, about a year and a half or so. Got out, his life was was changed. His life was changed. I mean, his, 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 his finances w- was changed. He lost everything he had except for his home and his wife. And then, and now 20 years later, there was a gathering and he saw the guy who had lied against him. 20 years he'd been cover- carrying that. And he said he, he, he felt such anger instantly. Hadn't seen the guy in years instantly felt such anger and God spoke to him and said forgive him right now does someone come to your mind maybe you just don't like maybe they're just not your kind are you the Lord's kind anything so noble lofty righteous holy about you that God should should condescend to come down, leave his throne from heaven to save you? Are you God's kind? No, you never were. He loved you, forgave you. Forgive them now. See, that's what God wants from us. Look at verse 12. No one's ever seen God. That's true, isn't it? No one's ever really seen God. Somebody say, oh, what God... You know, appeared to me at the foot of my bed. All right, all right. Uh, you know, that's, that's you know, I, you know, all right. I, I ain't gonna dispute any of that with you. Oh, Lord spoke to me in the in the bathroom. Or okay, all right, all right. But you know, that's that's totally different than seeing God as in the Old Testament or standing face to face with Jesus in the flesh. It says no one's ever seen God, but. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
You see, you are to be the expression of God in the world by loving one another. The ones that you know, the ones that are close to you, the ones that you know their faults better than anybody else. You know, sometimes that's the most difficult people to love are those who are closest to you or who have been closest to you, you know. You know their quirks. You know, they're, you know how they, they just get on your nerves? <laughs> That's who you're supposed to love. Come on now. Love one another. The ones that you know. You see, when we do that, because people don't see God. They, people don't see him. But you know what they see? They, they, they see the expression of God through you. Or they don't. Or they don't see the expression of God. You've heard it said that you, to some, are the only Bible they'll ever read. The only Jesus they'll ever see. Your words are the only words of hope, the only gospel that they'll ever hear. Are you doing that? Are you loving one another? He said we have to, we ought to love one another. Verse 12. Look at verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. You see, when you do that, when you love other people, when you when you're when you're when you've surrendered your life to the lordship of Christ and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you do love other people, even those who are close to you, even those who have hurt you and bothered you and said stuff against you and done things wrongly, despitefully used you. Even those, you know, when you, when you do, when you still love those, when you love them, listen, you just have to belong to Jesus. You know, it's it just because nobody else can do that. It's got to be the Holy Spirit that's doing it through you. Because, remember, greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You see, you can love them because it's the Holy Spirit doing it through you. You can do it because you have living in you Holy Spirit power. Look at verse 17. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment Because in this world, we are like him. You know, there's going to be a judgment day. There is going to be a judgment day for everybody to judge their actions. You know, you know, thank God for the blood of Jesus. No amen to that. Come on now. (laughs) Thank God for the blood of Jesus has covered all of your sins. All of your evil actions. Yeah. There's going to be a judgment day. But praise God for the blood of Jesus. But you see, with God living through us in Christ, there's no reason to fear. There's no reason for us to fear the coming judgment. Why? Because in this world, it says, because in this world, we're like him. You see, in this way, verse 17, love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. So come judgment day, you don't have to fear. Why? Because you're like Jesus. You're living like Jesus. You're responding like Jesus. 
You have Holy Spirit power living out through you. That's why you don't have to fear. Because coming the the day of judgment, the Holy Spirit's been living your life through you. Your actions have been showing it. How would your actions show it? What actions? Love. Your love was the Holy Spirit living his life through you. So you see, we can look forward to the final judgment. We can look forward to the judgment day. Why? Because God has been living his life through you. Because there will be an end to sin. No longer will you be pulled towards sin or towards doing wrong. You won't won't be bound to these bodies of flesh that pull towards sin. And then forever you'll be living face to face with Jesus. You'll begin your eternity with him. So you don't have to fear the judgment. No. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with judgment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. No fear in love. Period. When you are are loved and you know you're loved, there's no fear. There's no fear from that person. But you know what? That's really an indictment on the church. Because you know what? Too long, too often have we been unloving to one another. Too long have we been unloving, unkind, even rude to people who are bound to sin. And will spend an eternity in hell if they don't come to Jesus. And instead of us showing them the love of Christ like Jesus did. We show them, like the Pharisees did, condemnation. We take up stones to stone them. Remember the woman caught in the very act of adultery? There were the righteous who wanted to take up stones and stone her. Jesus forgave her. Like which are you? You see, it is an indictment on the church. Because too seldom have we expressed love to people. And they know that. That's why, that's why they don't come to church. That's why when, when they sense their need, they don't, they don't come. To, it ought to be that we are so known for our love, for our love for the lost, for those who are hurting, for those who have sinned and strayed away from God, that we're so known for our love that when they realize what they need, they would come to the church and say, help me. Trust Jesus as my Savior. Help me turn my life over to Him. But that's not what they do. They're fear. They're afraid. Because of judgment coming from us. As if we have any right or stance to judge others. You know, in many, there is a a fear of the future. You know, when you find yourself afraid... You know, maybe you're, maybe you're afraid of the coming judgment. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe you're afraid because of things you've done. Remind yourself of the love of God. Look over at Romans chapter 8 for just a second with me. Now keep your finger there at 1 John 4, but look at, look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. Romans 8, 38. We could back up to 37. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. But here's 38. For I'm convinced that neither life 
neither angels, death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, anything else, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. God's love through Jesus. You can't do anything to separate yourself from God's love. You can't go too far from God that his love isn't already there. Wooing you back to him. So you see, we ought to love one another. Fear, fear, we often live in fear. We live in a world of fear. We, you know, you watch the news, you, you know, you would think, you know, you're just going to step out your door and be shot, right? You know, we're afraid sometimes of killings. You know, I'll, I'll be hurt. We're afraid of theft. You know, somebody breaking in and still taking what we have. You know, I'm afraid that I won't have. Or, or you know, we, we, we fear, you know, there, there are all kinds of arguments around. You know, I won't, I won't have this that I want. Or I'll be without so-and-so. But when you experience and when you live in perfect love, there's no fear. That's God's desire for you. You see, the love that God wants to live in and through you is the cure for all of that. It's the cure for all the fear in the world. Look at verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because we first loved us. I share that with visitors to our church, you know. We're able to love you because God loved us first. That's why we're able to express love to, to you, because we're recipients of the love of God. You see, God's love is the source. God's love is the genesis of all true human love. And it spreads. It's meant to be spread to everyone. Everyone. Look at verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone, you know, this is God's word. I wouldn't have wrote it this way. You know, you wouldn't have either. But this is what God said. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he's seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Period. You see, it's easy to say that you love God when all it costs you is just, you know, attending some church services, sitting an hour in church, and then, you know, going home. But the real test of loving God is how we treat others based on our faith and our commitment to Him. You see, you cannot love God while neglecting to love God. Those who have been made in his image. As he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You see, apart from the surrender to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit living his love through us, we are not living the Christian life. Our attempt to live the Christian life is flesh life, 
not the Christian life, but Christ living his life through us is the Christian life. Did you get that? Apart from surrendering our life to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit living his life through us, we're not living the Christian life. You see, really, that tells us just how unfilled we are. So how about you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit to such a degree that Christ is living his life of love through you? To those who are even the most difficult to love. In accordance with the will and the command of God and for his glory would you pray with me please dear Lord we ask you to show us please have we been living the Christian life have you been living your life through us